Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Thompson in Effect. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. I just wanted to do it. Oh, damn, I messed up. I wanted to be like Slick Rick. Crumbs. Good evening, Crumbs. No lights. But never mind. I, that sounds you know. like some gay pimp. No. It's Slick Rick the accent. I don't have a British accent. That's why, you know. You What you were trying to say... Gadai, where is G'day. it? Gadai, that is not so. That's yeah. like no. I was trying to be Cockney, like Gadai might. No, no, I crumbs. No, no, I, I crumbs I and chimney sweeps. Ladies and gentlemen, and low lives. You know, it is I, Slick Rick the Ruler. That's what I want to. Why do, would man. I call them our audience low lives? I don't get that. But never mind, because. No. no, no. I mean, it just doesn't like. Is that assuming that there would be a criminal element, and that's no. supposed to be like bad is good or good no, is bad? I, I, yeah, I guess so. I, That's I just, I just wanted to, to imitate Slip Rick, but that that is a far from the point. Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing today? We can't assume that it's evening everywhere where people Good are listening. Good day, everybody. Good day. Top of the day, mate. <laughs> uh, top mateys. Oh, we're going to have a segment where we just Hola. Say, say hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> when you didn't like my Thompson's in effect. <sighs> No, that's not Slick Ricky enough. That's no. that era, that genre of 80s classic hip-hop. Yeah, I guess so, but that's that's so you. <laughs> that Well, I thought that Tom, Thompson's in a... Well, I guess that sounds like a bad radio <laughs> DJ. Like, hey, everyone, we come on down to Crazy Sam's. We've got... That sounds Eddie. like a like crazy Eddie. Is that like stereos? Yeah. Crazy Eddies. We've got stereos. We got CD players. We got record players. We got, we got eighties <laughs> electronics. Uh, <laughs> bring it back here. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I guess okay. So, hello. Uh, okay. So I guess we should be. Hello, serious. everybody. How are you guys doing today? Is that how we're gonna sound now? No, it's just me saying hello. Okay. I was trying to. Be prefer. Oh, okay. So I'll be like, "Hi, everyone." Is that does that sound good? <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Rhett Thompson. Is that that's not good? That doesn't sound. That so- is enough. Okay. How- <laughs> okay. Hi, everyone. This is Rhett Thompson. Yeah, and her her psychic, um, Sean Thompson. And this is Thompson's in effect. That that's also. Okay. Yeah, this enough. is Tom. Okay. That is enough. This is Thompson's in effect. Episode number two. Number two. Deuce. Uh, we are recording this on the evening of September 11, 2018. 17 years from the date of uh, 9 11. 9 11. Of course, uh, we said in the early episode, we are native New Yorkers, so. You know, it's kind of solemn, even though we didn't start the show off on a solemn note. You know, and, you know, it's like, what do you do? I mean, we do remember it. But I think, you know, at this time and era, you know, it's like we, we thank our lucky stars. And um, I try not to watch TV about it because, you know, you know, it's like, wow, a memorial every year to commemorate it every year, you know, that could be tough. Well, to to clarify, I mean, I am not technically a native New Yorker, even though I spent almost 10 years in New York. They say that once you've lived in New York City for 10 years, you can call yourself, ah, 
You're a native New Yorker. New York City. Wow. Okay, I don't know all the words. But anyway, um, no, I'm originally from Ohio. But I did, I, I did live in New York for 10 years. We were together. We were living together um, when 9-11 happened. Um, we were in the city. Um, you were working from home in Brooklyn yes. on that day. AKA I, unemployed. Um, well, I like to say that you were a contractor. You were an independent contractor that wasn't getting paid on the regular. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't getting paid enough. Well, okay. Well, that well that was actually the truth. It, yeah. it, you weren't really... I mean, I guess you you were an independent promoter. You, yeah, I was. You were an independent promoter. Mm-hmm. At that time, you stopped working for the record label that you had worked at and you were still doing like marketing promotion radio people. stuff yeah and business was kind of slow at the time it was very very slow at the time and then people had a habit of paying you inconsistently oh yeah there was a lot of invoices going out and nothing coming in and uh, <laughs> hey but those invoices like, going out it was like hey man i really love your ideas and you know what instead of me paying you like in money you could be a partner. Yeah, that 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 seems to be a recurring theme when you're uh, you're living an artist life, whether it be yeah. um, music or uh, comedy or movies or whatever production. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of payment. The money comes spor- sporadically. Sporadically, but there's a lot of hey, let's be partners. Let's start a production we company. We'll build it together. We'll build it together. I'll take your ideas, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll use this money from some type of illegal means that I've acquired. Or you know, we'll f- still find the money because you know I can't really pay you per se. But I could follow your ideas and do it some way. I mean, that's why it's called a fee. Give me my money. Well, Uh, at the time, you were working at home. I was commuting to Manhattan. That's when I had a day job um, at an ad agency. I had left my... Well, I was actually downsized. This was like the beginning of the Mm. dot-com bubble-ish. The very beginning. the, the, the The very initial pops of the of the bubble if the dot-com bubble was a big bubble my my uh entire division being laid off by a major network (laughs) that was like a bubble on the side but i was so at this time i was commuting from brooklyn to in the morning it was early in the morning beautiful day i just got the shower and i was had the tv on today's show because i had a meeting matter of fact Within the area that same day too, and I was like, "Look at this on TV! Look at this fool! Some fool crashed a plane in the in, in the tower." And I, I just called her because she just got the train. Yep, and the thing was crazy. Like what everybody talks about. Not that we're trying to make this a nine eleven episode, but I swear when people talk about that day in New York, it was a beautiful day. Like people do not realize it was a beautiful fall day. I mean, blue it skies. was blue skies, seventy degrees, sunny. It was hot, not too crazy humid. It was literally a beautiful day, and it was such a beautiful day that I decided to wear this yellow silk. It was a yellow silk dress mm-hmm. that um, I was forced to purchase. 
being a bridesmaid <laughs> in my <laughs> college roommate's wedding. Um, it was a dress that I would have never purchased on my own. Oh, and by the way, it's exactly a month to the day we were, because we were preparing for our wedding. Yes. Because we was going to get, we was about to leave for Vegas October 11th. Yes, that was when our flight was going to be taken off. But, okay, so it was such a beautiful day, and I was like, wow, this would be a great day to wear a dress. I wore, and the thing is, what was great about uh, my girlfriend's choice of these bridesmaid dresses, they they were actually like very nice silk dresses, but they did not look like bridesmaid dresses. These are dresses that you could get away with wearing if it was if you were going to like a nice event, but not super dressy. And I wore the dress. It was a yellow short sleeve dress, um, long had um, these two long slits up the side, like up to the knee. Not not crazy wild, kind of conservative. Had little flowers on it. And um, there were these gold strappy sandals that I was forced to, uh, but low heel sandals that I was forced to bar- purchase as part of this ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, this is such a perfect day to wear this outfit. And um, I get on the train, um, I get off the train, and I just remember um, I got off um, the office at the time. We were on East 33rd Street between Madison and Park. And I remember, mm-hmm. like, it was a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. and I heard, like, sirens in the background, but it's New York, it's early in the morning. It did seem a little bit louder now that it's, like, hindsight. Um, it seemed like more sirens than normal. And I just remember, like, when I would cross the street, and there was this Korean deli on the corner, and these mm-hmm. people, um, they were outside, Mm-hmm. And they're pointing at. They're pointing up. It was like five of them pointing up, and I thought they were pointing at a dump truck that was passing by. And I looked and I was like, "Oh, that's just a dump truck," and it kept going. But really, later on, I discovered they're pointing mm-hmm. at the sky, and we all mm-hmm. know what happened. But oh, I'm sorry. I mean, to sidetrack you. No. But that Korean deli. Yeah. The food was the bomb. I'm sorry. They were called. Su- they were actually called Susie's also. Yeah. Susie's was a, a, a well, we knew two Susie's oh, back then. We knew Susie's, in which was at Korean Deli, and Susie's, which is this Chinese restaurant in the village, was it on Bleecker Street. Yeah, I wonder no, if they're still no. there. Yeah, I guess it was Bleecker. Yeah. Was it Bleecker? Maybe I think it's still there. It's it's famous one. I mean, they had been, they had already been around for at least twenty five years, but twenty twenty five, close to thirty years. By the time we were dating, we would go there almost all the time. You want a cold? You go there get that that mustard sauce. Yeah, like it was because it, I lived in Washington Square Village, which were these two huge tower buildings that were right like it, it housed a lot of NYU students, and I lived there as a grad student. And Susie's was not even like not even two blocks away. And I was just a bum. And no, you weren't a bum. Originally, when you took me I to was Susie's, just a bum out there, you know, no, I was on these streets. Well, you were a promoter at that time, but um, like for music and stuff. But um, when you first took me to, like, I think we went to Susie's, but by the time our third date, maybe third date, fourth, something date, like that, something yeah. Like that. But it, it just got to the point where we would go there. They didn't know us had seat force and everything. We would we would go there like probably like at least twice a week. We spent a lot of ridiculous amounts of money on stupid things like 
eating Chinese food. And the thing is, it wasn't like a, it was a sit-down place. It had tablecloths. They had pictures of Jackie Mason on on the wall. Like, yeah, because famous people ate there. I ain't seen my picture of it, though. That's another story. Well, I just know that they knew who you were because it seemed like every Mm. time you, we went there, you was always wearing that. Same fleece. That navy blue. blue fleece. Feli pullover fleece. And we was like, damn, we gotta get we gotta get you some more clothes. No, they don't think you're that. homeless. It was like, no, we need to change. Cause the thing is, I lived in Brooklyn, so sometimes I'd be over at her house, and I just had like two, three shirts over there or tops over there, and that was the only thing I had. Even though I had multiple shirts, it wasn't like that was the only outfit I had. It just it was a coincidence. a coincidence. It was like, oh, maybe this is my Tuesday blue feline sweater. <laughs> You know, and hey, guess what? It's Tuesday and, and Thursday, and we're lazy and we want we're hungry and we wanted food, so let's go to Susie's because we're in the mood for good Chinese. That was the first time I had Mai Tais, Mai Tai drinks, and that was our first. Uh, that's a doorway for us to being in debt because we was like, yeah. credit charges. And yes, we were like, oh yeah, because I was like. Yeah, by the time I graduate from grad school, I'll, I'm sure I'll get like a good job in television or something, and I'll be able to wipe out all this debt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the collapse, the collapse. But anyway, when they're going back to nine eleven, though, like I mean, later, I mean, I just know just a couple things. Like, I yes, I hope that nine eleven will not become just another day in in. Another, just another day that people are like, oh, 9-11 happened. Where were you? Where were you on 9-11? Well, I know for me, when it happened, yes, I was in the office. Yes, I remember you calling. I mean, there's a lot of things mm. that I, I remember very vividly. Very, very vividly. Like, I remember the dress. I still have that dress. I don't I don't have the shoes anymore, but I have the dress. I do remember... Um, Working because we uh, the the ad agency I worked for was actually in a like a storefront a converted storefront and I know she remember walking home yeah walking home from Midtown well basically you on the more on the east side yeah I and you had to walk did across I walk home? Yes, did I take did. the train no you walked home but the trains because oh yeah the trains, because trains the not, yeah. yeah because you know what it was a couple things a couple takeaways number one. I remember um, there were such heavy smokers in my office that we had the doors open. I remember the sensation of burnt concrete. I'll never forget it, but it was the dust. I was on East 33rd Street. World Trade Center was like way down in the financial district before the, the streets are numbered. So we're talking about at least a good 40 blocks away. I just remember the sensation of burnt concrete in the back of my throat. And now I, I mean, even then I knew, I knew that that was the dust from World Trade. It had, it had traveled all the way up. I remember sticking my head out because my bosses at the time were like, well, we understand, we understand if you want to go home, but we would really appreciate if you stay here and work. And I remember the other guys in the mm. office being like, those guys are such assholes. Like, the biggest <laughs> thing, the the worst tragedy in American history has just happened. And this asshole wants us to work because we have a deadline for the client. <laughs> we yeah. didn't realize how big it was. But but I remember peeking out and looking towards, um, um, was it Madison or maybe it was Park Avenue, and 
dozens and dozens and dozens of people walking mm -hmm. in the street and yep. they had walked from Wall Street. You could tell they walked from Wall Street mm -hmm. going all the way up. Mm -hmm. So I remember that. I remember um, worry because we're, uh, the towers, both towers mm -hmm. have been hit. Then the Pentagon, and I remember thinking, I wonder if they're going to start bombing the bridges. And that's the only mm. reason why I did not um, leave earlier. Yeah, you were going to like, what, 10 o'clock? No, well, I walked. Well, because I walked. Yeah, yeah, I'm, just, I'm saying. Well, yeah. you know what it was? It was like, I remember um, they had shut down the trains. Mm -hmm. And then I remember waiting for the bus. And even at that time... Everyone thought that there was going to be tons of survivors mm -hmm. and they would be disoriented. So there was all, even by that time, that early evening. So I used to get off of work, what, six o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And there were all these flyers. And yeah. I remember, I remember like all these flyers of like, you know, people's moms, dads, mm -hmm. sisters, boyfriends, like, you know, this is, this is Dave King and he works at, um, um, Aeon and he, he's, he works on the, right. on the 78th floor, blah, blah, blah. And I remember there was this really weird little J Jewish dude, mm. and just a strange little dude. And he was like, I was there yesterday. And he mm. showed me, mm. because I guess when you yeah. entered World Trade, they would give you, like, a, a mm. temporary badge. Uh -huh. They would take a picture of you. He showed me, and it says September the 10th. Right. And and he was like, you know all these people are dead. They're all dead, you know. They're all dead. And I and now I know that he was probably under shock. But yeah. back then, I was like, I wasn't ready right. for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was right. not ready for that. And, and, and I remember, finally, the bus came. And then thinking, like seeing all those streets blockade, and the National Guard was out. Yeah. There was the first time I seen that many soldiers, all mm -hmm. that camouflage, and mm -hmm. machine guns out. Yeah, because it took me like what six to seven. Well, yeah, I remember the probably like uh, probably two weeks later, uh, I was I was on a train when they finally opened up the 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 A train, E train because we lived the the, the class in line. Which is G? I'm sorry. It's the A. It's the A. The we, A and, and the we, C to skim, Hoyt Skimmerhorn, and we were transferred to the G. Time, the first time they opened the train, and we went underneath it. That was a most solemn ride. It's probably like two, three days after. I mean, like probably a week after. It was a solemn ride because people were like, "Damn, we we are under this. we are you underneath know. the world trade." Yeah, you know. So it was like crazy, you know. So and I mean, I remember like probably like six, six to eight months later. Uh. I had to get me a, a, a day daytime job, and I was actually doing door to door sales, selling. First, I was selling some. This uh, what do you call it? S surveillance security cameras, because that was tough to do. That several months later, because the economy was hit so bad because of this, but. It was a point where they was like they wanted to push cameras. I was doing that for like three to four months, and you know, I can say this now. Don't tell nobody. I was a horrible salesperson because I ain't sell nothing. But then you look at the look at the 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 thing. It's like the economy is bad, and this is before security surveillance was really big. Also. Even though you knew this stuff, push it forward anyway. It, it was cool technology because there was it was like closed circuit cameras, but you could monitor that mm. from home, and it was color. And it was fifteen grand, <laughs> and people was like, "Um, I ain't got that money." Well, you could finance it. Um, ain't no one buying nothing right now, man. We 
we are struggling. I just remember, like, you would get these sales calls, like, in the morning, and good they would say, good morning. morning. It's like, there's nothing but a little liquid sunshine out there, people. And be like, it's raining as fuck out there. You about to, like, go door to door with this shit? Oh, like, but, but like, okay, so it's just a couple of things. Yeah, 9-11, hmm. and I just feel like there's so much to that day, but I hmm. don't talk about it often hmm. with people who did not, who were not in From New York that, during that time, hmm. because to me, this is the equivalent of my D-Day. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know how you hear stories mm-hmm. about, like, old war veterans? Like, they, they were at D-Day mm-hmm. in World War II. Mm-hmm. They, like, the whole Saving Private Ryan, yeah. they were getting shot at. They had their buddies die, you mm-hmm. know. Um, like, I think that there's a special bond of people who lived and worked in the city yeah. during that time and the type of pain that we collectively experience that I don't think other people will understand. Understand? No, they will no. not understand the devastation. No. Like it's the equivalent of if you if you live in a city and there's there's always an iconic. At least it, it doesn't matter how small your town is. Just like, like there's an Facebook. iconic building in no. your town and it's always been there and just then like, it not being there. Just like the Oklahoma City bombing, you can't. Like where we're from, you know, there's some type of connection there, but a lot of people still understand Oklahoma City bombing, you know, especially if you go there and you know you talk to them because it what happens what happened with, with uh, World Trade, it, you know, I don't think people realize they did it when people started coming out there to visit it, like it was a tourist. Yeah, when uh, like I remember for you, you used to work when you were in college. Yeah, yeah, you used to work at floor shine. Floor shine. Well, well, this is what a lot of people Mm. don't understand. Mm. Yes, there's the twin towers, which Mm. were these massive, huge Mm. office. Mm buildings but in the lower levels there was, you had the train station you had several train lines mm-hmm. underneath there mm-hmm. you had the path train going to New Jersey mm-hmm. and then it was like malls like levels of malls, malls like shopping restaurants mm-hmm. it was like a city underground yeah. and so yes you worked at Floor Shines I remember thinking that was so mm-hmm. funny like mm-hmm. what you sold Floor Shine shoes I sold some shoes you want some shoes I'll get you some shoes I'll get you the rock ports I'll get you whatever you want the wingtips. You know, wingtips, you know. You know, it was, it was cool. So you sold those, but you couldn't sell them closed circuit I can't sell them cameras. Circuit cameras, man. <laughs> I can sell you a phone. I can't say, you know, um, no, I can sell you them cameras now. Now it's cheap now. Everybody can buy that. Yeah, but back then it was like 15 grand. I remember thinking, wow. Have a great day. And I was like, "Shit, <laughs> that's that's a hard sell." But but I remember you couldn't go down to World Trade to Ground Zero for about eight months. Mm-hmm. You did not go down there. I think you did. We go down there together. I remember. No, I refused I, to go there. No, because I had a friend visiting from out of town. Damon. Damon came in from out of town, and one of my old college buddies. He wanted to go visit World Trade, and that's when I went. Mm with him and i remember thinking it was all hollowed mm. out and i remember telling you and you were like i'm not ready to go there no. i'm not ready to go there yeah it took me a while it took me a good year it was a year, year. Yeah. it was a year because i just be in century 21 i just go everywhere you know shopping be near the church because the church is still there right now too but you know you just go down broadway right there that i mean you know for me it was close because you know i i go to Staten island because i just go to school in Staten island so i just hop on a on a ferry 
So it's like you right there in the middle of everything. Right there in Battery Park. You name it, it was right there. You know, Battery Park got affected with that also. So, so it was crazy. I think it's one of those things that it has been 17 years. I think that a lot of people don't understand mm. how um, it wasn't just, mm. these weren't just landmarks. It was such part of life and to have that ripped away. Mm. And even 17 years later, mm-hmm. like, it's still... It, like, a lot of the pain has gone away, I mm-hmm. think, but there's a, a certain knee-jerk reaction that comes to me. So, I guess, th- to me, like, in a way, it's kind of good that I ended up not going to my day job today because mm-hmm. um, I think when it comes to September 11th, mm-hmm. I don't really care to discuss... Again, like, it's yeah. my D-Day. Mm-hmm. I only care to discuss this thoroughly with either one or two types of people. Mm-hmm. Either, number one, mm-hmm. you were in... New York on that day mm-hmm. or and you have a connection right okay or number two you sincerely want to understand but you have to know that you will probably never understand mm-hmm. yeah definitely I hear that it's been a minute since we uh recorded last but there's been quite a few things happening in the world yes indeed yes indeed we could uh talk about this uh, serena williams thing uh a lot of things going on to unpack with that so basically serena williams was at the u.s open where she was it was the u.s open correct u.s open finals where she lost to naomi osaka yes who is the first japanese woman well she's being considered Japanese, but a Japanese woman, she's being considered Japanese. Japanese born. She, yes. Well, she, uh, officially, the way they're positioning first Japanese woman to win the U.S. Open. Correct. Okay. But the fun fact about her, she's actually, um, her mother is Japanese, her father is Haitian. Mm-hmm. She was raised primarily in the U.S., in New York, and then Florida. Okay, yes. So, three years, she moved to New York, and then she went to Florida. Yes, and she did have a choice. She could have represented Haiti, she could have represented the U.S., but she chose to represent Japan. Because, one, Japan was going to give her money. Of course. And, two, the United States weren't going to give her money to sponsor because it's a competitive field over there. Well, I mean, I think it makes sense because, like, look, as much mm-hmm. as she loves her Haitian father, I'm mm-hmm. sure, yes, I totally agree. Uh, it was a wise no. move. It's a wise move. No, but that's not the problem. I don't have a problem with that. But, well, I will say one thing, though. Like, it, um, there's a lot of people who are considered, um, they're called hafu. Mm-hmm. Hafu, which basically means you're half Japanese, half another mm-hmm. yeah. ethnicity. They are not treated well of course overall in japan Japan. and so there is a certain level of i don't know if on the one hand you want to call it hypocrisy or the other hand Mm -hmm. of like maybe things are changing and evolving so Mm -hmm. there is me maybe this is one of those things that will start some acceptance but that's not really the problem we're talking about no that is not the problem one the acceptance of the american media as well because they talk about it as like oh well how does it feel to be the first Japanese player? I said, well, yeah, cool. But, you know, she's like, my father, my father also is here too. My father's Haitian. It's like they glance. 
Well, yeah, the, well, that's because she's representing Japan. Oh, and and mm. one of the things is mm. that um, there are a lot of Japanese people who, mm. like younger Japanese people, mm. I think, are more accepting. But mm. there are certain people that um, put it like this way. P- I think that there are people who are probably the age forty and younger, or or I should say thirty five and younger, who's probably going to be a little bit more open to accepting her as Japanese mm-hmm. than people who are, let's say, my mom's age, mm-hmm. who is Japanese, and there is a long um, standing. Um, I don't know if you want to call it racism, but, you know, Japanese people, like, Japan is a homogenous country. My mom is Japanese. Mm. So, like, I, and, and, you know, my mom is Japanese, my father is Mm African-American, or black, whatever, Um, and one of the points my mom made when she knew she was going to have me is, like, the importance of having me live in the U.S. because... She f- strongly felt that I would not have the type of life or opportunities available to me over there as I have here. And right. and as much as I would want to fantasize about it, I mean, I think that's very true, you know? No, that's not a problem. We're, uh, I mean... But, I, yeah, that's not the core of why you want to dis- yeah. discuss that. We were talking about it because it's like this whole point where they kind of glance at that. And also, of course, you know... We've seen, of course. Look, I've actually watched that match, and when I was watching the match. The while controversy. On, yeah, while I was actually in Petco with my daughter because she wanted to see pets, and I had, and I had my, my tablet, and I was watching it. And of course, you weren't you know, paying attention to the pets in Petco. I was, but I was watching this tennis match as well. You know, this. Thank God for streaming YouTube TV so you could do stuff like that. That's multitasking parenting. Hell yeah. You know, because that was, you know, it was it was there on a Saturday. So I said, let me take advantage of it. And, you know, it's like, you know, I watched it. And, you know, to the point, we could get it. Serena was being thoroughly outplayed. You think so? Yeah, she was. You think she was being outplayed? She was being outplayed. She, she admitted she was being outplayed. But the thing was... The problem what we had here is like, you know, you have, you know, a ref, uh, uh, the tennis match referee umpire was sitting there, you know, looking at, you know, thinking that her coach was coaching him. He's like 150 yards away, so she can't see him coaching her. But he looks, he's looking at the, the um, he's looking at the, the coach and it's like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to give you a warning. That kind of threw her off a little bit because, like, I never cheat. What are you talking about? Because I've that's never. That's when she had the outburst slash tantrum, of, depending on that's part one. Depending on who you whose uh, side you're on. That was a talking to. She had a talking to. Like I didn't cheat. I don't respect. I don't respect that because she didn't know the dude was coaching. She thought he was giving a thumbs up. But the thing is, it all adds up when she, this one. You know, she was she she knew she was losing. And you know she had a bad shot, and and she missed the shot, and she slammed and smashed her tennis racket. That's the second one. That's the second one. They go, oh, you know, can't do that. Boom, they give you another one. So, so okay, you, you hold up. You, you, remember, they took a point from her. Was it a point or a game? A point. That's they took a point. So it was like fifteen love. So it became to thirty love. And she said, what are you talking about? How do you get to the point in 30 love now? What's going on here? You're just stealing points from me. You're a thief. I'm a thief. 
Give her another point. Give, give her a game. So instead of like 4-3, it was up to 5-3 in the second set. And then that was like when all she wasn't hell going, broke. She wasn't going to be able to recover from that. Yeah, after that, it was 6-3 and the game was over. The, the match was over. So my thing was, we, we're looking at it as like, okay, I've, I've seen, look, we've seen worse with John McEnroe. Jimmy Connors, Yvonne Lendl. Uh That's oldest, but let's go to younger guys. But haven't weren't they reprimanded for their bad behavior though? No, they started reeling it in in nineties, in like two thousand. But the thing is, they get a point. I think also, you know, it's a confusion. Like, you know what? If you've ever seen, she's had history with this umpire who's who took points away from her. Her sister has had history with the umpire as well. Who accused her of being coached and took a point, and, and when he accused her of cheating, was you know the point is you know she felt like I think she, they feel like especially the U.S. Open something always happens to Serena Williams, you know, and so this is the point where you know you had enough, and her man was like I don't expect to be a thief and I don't expect you to do this and blah blah blah. I didn't think that was much of a tantrum, but it was like enough Hers. to give a point. Her standing up for herself. Her standing up for herself. I guess that's the difference. Like, is yeah. it a tantrum or is it her standing up for herself? Her standing for herself. And then, of course, you know, my thing was like, well, you wouldn't do it if it was a man. You know, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But then you look at the other people. It's like, whether well, it's the news, like regular news. People want to cover sports. It was like, oh, yeah, she was out of line. No, no man, you got to stand up for yourself. If you don't stand up for yourself, you, you can't talk because thing is, it's an individual sport. If you're not fighting for yourself, who's going to fight for you in an individual how, sport? How is she even being coached? I'm saying, like, because the coach was in the stands. Like, yeah. how is he coaching her? I don't know. How is that even possible? He's, like, doing motions and whatnot. I don't think you could see that on your odds. And then he's like, oh, yes, I, I do coach. Everybody else coaches. In, he's French. Everybody else coaches in the stands. So it's hypocrisy. If you're going to call on me, then you got to call on him. Everybody coaches. Everybody does this. So it's like, okay, the way do we go from there? And this way it breaks down to... So he was coaching her? He admitted he was coaching her. She didn't see it, she says. But the thing was, he's like, everybody is coaching. The coach from the other team is coaching. I'm coaching. You just happen to see me coach. So, you know, because the thing is, they don't... Give her a warning. They give her a warning about his behavior. So it's like she's being penalized for whatever he's doing, the coach is doing. Well, that's not cool. You know, I mean, he should mm, be mm, penalized, but like yeah. that would be what him being removed from the stands or yeah. something like that. How can she be mm. responsible for mm. what her coach is doing? Yeah. So, of course, it comes with we see how there is a media bias for her having an attitude and then it comes down to the cartoon with the cartoon you know okay so we go from the next day okay the whether or not she's standing up for herself versus tantra i didn't think that she was having a tantra Mm. i thought she was just being outspoken about what was going on and call and i think also too like we have to look at it this way like for Serena Williams, mm. she just gave birth how mm. many months ago? Mm-hmm. You know I mean? And look, for a woman mm. to go through a nine-month pregnancy and mm. then give birth and then whip that body not only just back into shape, mm-hmm. but at, to top, like, world-class shape. And then she is competing against someone 
who is like what Serena is what thirty four now or she's yeah. thirty she's thirty four mm. and then Naomi uh, Naomi Osaka is like twenty right mm. so this is almost like the equivalent of like they said mm. it's like the equivalent of like Martina Natrolova and Steffi Graf I'm going to butcher Martina <laughs> yeah, yeah but Martina was thirty four and Steffi Graf I think it was mm. Steffi Graf yeah when she got upset. Um, she was like seventeen, so right. it's like you going to get somebody who's like almost half your age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and yes, holding her own because they did say like it wasn't like like Naomi Osaka was like fighting for she her life. Like yeah, oh right. You know, so you know, and it comes down to it. You know, look, like I said, I thought Naomi deserved. It. You know, and even even Serena said that as well. Of course, you have a problem with the ref, you know, because of course. But then for the but nobody wants to lose that way, yeah, and no nobody wants to, wants to win that way. Of either. course, yeah, nobody that's wants she, to win because they was booing when she was crying, you know, and you know that's when Swinjup said, "Hey, don't boo her," blah blah blah. Well, I don't think people were booing her. They're booing the ref. They're booing the ref, but unfortunately, she's in the line of fire. Yeah, you know, no yeah. one wants to win that way. But then, yes, then the next day, the Australian newspaper cartoonist. Wrote the, did this cartoon? That? What was that? Uh, what supposedly was that about? depicting Serena supposedly as a baby as a having big, a fat temp- baby having a temperature, temp- and the ump basically telling um, Naomi Osaka, "Would you just let her win already?" You know, and they think about it with the Naomi Osaka artwork. They made like she was a, a little white blonde girl. She does have blonde hair. Yeah, but that's how they made it look like. Also, she she w- mm. usually wears mm. it kind of wild though. Right, right, right. So it's like, damn, you, that's how you feel about us and shit. Well, okay. First of all, when it comes to a cartoon, just for people who you know who have not seen it or maybe listening in the future, Serena Williams, it, they had her much thicker, mm. much bulkier. That she had very thick lips. Very mm. um, exaggerated features, mm-hmm. you know. Like she does have high cheekbones. Like when you look at her, you know that she's a woman, yeah. uh, an ethnic woman. Her hair is very fluffed up. Like she, she looks almost like the the type of cartoon you would have seen in the fifties of somebody who looks like a a, yeah. a a cannibal or something. But now, if you go back a month ago, when there was an exclusive, I think it was an exclusive article. I th- I'm not sure if it's a Sports Illustrated or if it's another one. Regarding them, I guess somebody wanted to do an article for her. And the question was like, are you intimidated by the looks of, like, Maria Sh- uh, Sh- Sh- I can't, Sharapanova? Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, what What do you mean, am I intimidated by, you know, so maybe you're trying to say I'm but, ugly, I should be intimidated by people? Uh, 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 <clears throat> intimidated by her being so attractive. Yeah, it's like, what is... You know, uh, I'm here to play a game, you know? But see, these are kind of questions that women are face, and I think especially black women. But mm-hmm. women face these things, too. Yeah. Because if you go back in time, like, people used to talk crap about, again, Martina Navratilova. Tolova. That she was not, who is a legend. Um, that, you know, she was very manly and, and, and very like, um, she didn't wear makeup and she Mm. wasn't as cute like Chris Everett, who was like this bubbly blonde with the feathered hair. Like Steffi Graf. Right. Like 
all these cool hot chicks. You never hear like a professional fo- is anybody ever going to ask LeBron James is is he intimidated by the looks of, Kyle uh, of or, or like d- d- when you see Stephon Curry's smoldering green eyes that light-skinned light-skinned green eyes are you intimidated by him men don't get those kind of <laughs> questions are you intimidated by Kyle Korver men don't get those kind of questions see these are the things mm. that women have to mm. deal with you know, but but yeah, when it goes to, back to the cartoon, that cartoonist oh. from Australia said that he was not doing it to be racist. Huh. Yeah, but what did you think was going to happen? He said that basically he was taking the liberty and the license of being a cartoonist. And this is what cartoonists do, that they exaggerate features and stuff. But he was not meaning to be racist. Now, the problem is, is that He's an Australian cartoonist. This is a, a one of um, Rupert Murdoch's newspapers. And this... Uh, Australia doesn't exactly have the same history of, they, of civil rights. But and they got that race. history of racism, though. Yeah. It's, if you want to ask the Aborigines about that, oh my goodness. Yeah, if you were to see any type of uh, movies from Australia, you'd think there there were no Aborigines unless they live in the bush. Is that what they call it out there? Do they live in the bush? Mm. I know in South Africa they live in the bush. Do that's they live they, in the that's bush? That's what they try to say about them. Well, they live in the hills. They don't live mm. in the hills. I don't know what they would call it for Australia. But yeah, they don't deal with racism the same way like they or they've never really confronted racism the same way that it is in america like i think they do but the thing is it's like we're so shunned from it we don't know that much of it you know no no i i think that i they don't have like okay put it like this way i think america even though america does have a problem with dealing with um, racism, black people, civil mm. rights, blah, blah, blah. If you had that cartoon, that cartoon would never have made it in the New Yorker. It would have never mm. made it in most of the newspapers here. Because mm. even the most conservative, I shouldn't even say conservative, because you could be a conservative white person and not be racist. Mm-hmm. But even the most racist of white person would know that, like, that oh, is this is a racist cartoon. Mm. We're going to enjoy that on our own. We're mm. not going to, that's not going to be published uh, in uh, USA Today. Wow. This podcast has gotten deep. You, you think so? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was something that, that we see out here. So it's like you know, you gotta gotta look at it and address it. You know. In other black news, no. <laughs> Ooh, it's been black news this whole week. Why can't black news be positive? Black news. We should. Yeah. We shouldn't assume the black news is automatically we got bad positive news. black news but right now the the sad black news is outweighing the positive black news you know uh like in dallas texas here with mr baldam jean who's tw- a 26 year old man who worked for for what, td waterhouse gets shot in his own home by a police officer who claims that she walked in the wrong apartment white female a white female op- officer who they live in the same building, and I guess she was on the wrong floor. And she said that 
this is funny. She said she walked in and he she saw a silhouette. These are her words. And she gave commands to stop moving. And then she shot him. Only to find out that she was in the wrong apartment. How suspicious is that? So what is what is the more what's the outrage? What is more outrageous? The sheer, the fact that you have a white female cop killing an unarmed black man in his own home or that an un, that a white female cop kills an unarmed black man in his own home and they're still trying to decide if this is a crime. Well, no, they charged it with manslaughter. That's not the same as murder. Not murder. I mean, DA's going to look into that, but they told her manslaughter. And we're like, oh, really? You going to try to tell me that? And you look at the whole situation now, because it comes up now. She's like, oh, well, because we all know different apartments have different keys. So for you to say, oh, you slid your key there and it opened and you see a black man just like, hey, he's probably saying, what are you doing in my apartment? And you shot him, or you try to jimmy the door open, and you you open it, and same thing, and you realize this is not your apartment. Of course, the thing is, she's saying it was the wrong door, but then if you actually see pictures online, they show a picture of her apartment door and his apartment door. His apartment door it was a big red welcome mat carpet. So if you actually go into the wrong spot. You would notice that the first thing before you put a key in there. See so yeah, that that puzzled look you have on your face right now. So was she drunk? This is what I want to know. Like, what was her well, deal? What was her frame, state of mind? As stories have been trickling out, because I'm not gonna say she was drunk, because she was just coming from work. But the thing is, you have a witness who now counters her story, saying that well, she was complaining about him. Earlier in the day, because he had loud music. That gospel music. I don't know, you know, because he was pastor. a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. No. He was he was blasting that Kirk Franklin, and she was like, "I can't stand that church music." <laughs> Probably so. I can't st- see me. I'm more um, cynical, so mm-hmm. I always go to the whole like having an affair. No, no, I'm not trying to trash mm-hmm. him. I'm not saying that he. I I think like there's a certain type of person that gets offended if they don't feel that men, black men, lust after them. So it's almost like maybe she tried to make a pass at him and he wasn't trying to give her no play because he's like, God bless you. You can come out to my church. <laughs> but um, I, I I work for TD, TD Waterhouse and I'm I'm more into... Uh, money. <laughs> elegant, elegant women's like you. Wow. You. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, somebody who work at TD Waterhouse can't be into blue collar people, yeah. but I just can't see this match. But see, the thing was now, and then she was probably rebuffed. Her advances were rebuffed. Wow, well, you're and you're, he probably. I, oh, your mind goes way. It left. does, cause I know, because you know why I don't put, I don't put things past people who happen to be who have the power and the means if you got a gun and you are able to break into people's apartment how we know that she wasn't a stalker as i was saying she could have been a stalker 
As I was saying. Trying to creep in there and get a pair as of his drawers. Trying to get a pair as of his drawers. I don't think she liked him. Because, like I said, witness was saying she was complaining about him and his loud music. And she was probably going to give him peace of her mind. Because, you know, I'm not trying to say all cops are like that. But some cops are. You think she was one of them sidewalk sallies or whatever. What do they call it? V-cop. No, you know, just like that, the white chick who called the cops on the black girl with a lemonade stand. What do they call it now? Sidewalk Sally's? Permit Patty? Permit Patties. I'm sorry, Sidewalk Sally's. Barbecue Becky? (laughs) Gun-toting Gilda? No, I mean, I'm not going to trash Gilda Ratner's name. What's this chick's name again? Uh, Amber. Amber? Yeah, Amber. How, How is Amber a cop's name? Amber is like a cheerleader's name, hey, or name a Amber. bartender's name, or a she waitress's name. She mistakenly walking in this apartment. How do you walk in someone's house? Hi, my name is Amber. Open the door. What? My key's not working. Why is it not working? Okay, but look, I'm uh, look. I'm not trying to. I'm I'm not trying to give mm. chick benefit of doubt. But I do know, like I drive a Ford Focus. Them keys, it, it they they computerize those keys, but those keys fit in. because yeah, I've almost accident. I I slid my key into another Ford Focus. I was like, right. how come this is not opening? Man. And I was like, ugh, this ain't even my car. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. But she's in the house, and you put the key in the house. It's like it's not opening. And then you change so like, oh, you know, it was how the door was slight open sli- slightly. Well, so the door is open now, cr- cracked open. You walk in the house and it's cracked open. What's going on now? Cause she thought, did she think he was uh he had broke into her house playing gospel music? Yeah, that's what we're gonna do two in the morning. You know what floors were they on? That they were so on the different. Third floor. She's on the second floor. You can't remember that you climbed that extra flight of stairs. I mean, I have done that before, not in this complex, mm-hmm. but I have done that where you accidentally f- climb an extra flight of stairs and you're like, oh, uh oh. This says 302, not 202. My bad. <laughs> I mean, it does happen, but the thing is, it's like, why would you have your gun out? And she had a gym in that door because she was in the she was in there and saw a black silhouette. He probably opened the door like, what's going on? What time was it? I feel like one, two in the morning. Oh, two in the morning? She was probably, she was probably drunk or high. But then the witness said she was banging on the door saying, open the door. Open the door. Well, she got a roommate? No. Who she say open the door for? She, like I said, if you story, living by yourself, the story is probably made up, and you had to have an excuse to get angry at somebody and shoot somebody. She was probably trying to steal a pair of his drawers. <laughs> That's basically what it was. She was trying to steal some drawers, yeah. and things went terribly wrong. Yeah, that would be man. the kind of movie. It'd be like, here's a white cop, white female cop, a little bit on the freaky side. She saw him in the laundry room or saw him in the parking lot. What's up with this attractive black man not giving me the time of day? Here I am in my uniform and my gun. He think that he too good. He think he too good for somebody like me. I'm going to show him a thing or two. I'm going to take some of his drawers and I'm going to make me a stew. After she shot. And I'm going to make me some voodoo spell on it. Geiger called 911, turned on the lights and saw the apartment number on the front door. Um, hello. You saw them on the front door after you turn on the lights? It's not well lit. It's not a Come well on. lit hallway. It's the fourth floor. She's on the third floor. Come on, man. I'm I'm just gonna say second, third. So come How on. How's she turning on the light in the hallway? 
Your numbers is on the outside, That's not the inside. Exactly. That's why your story looks real shaky here. She, she may mm. have probably, she probably was drunk. Something's mm. not right. This story's not right. But the mm. thing is, okay, why does it have to take so long for them to figure out if this is a crime or not? If this no, was, if that was a mm. black female cop shooting a white man in his own apartment, would they have taken this long mm -hmm. to figure out if this is like a crime? Like I said, if you go back to Minnesota and that, that Muslim cop shot shot a white lady because she did call the cops and what he called, she ran up to the car and he got scared and he shot her. Police unions say, oh, we can't talk to this guy. They disavowed him. Said, You're on your own, buddy. You know, so... But was he a black Muslim bean yeah. pie or black no, no, no. Muslim? black Muslim like... um. You know, in Minneapolis and Michigan, but but Minneapolis Somalian, is Somalian Muslim. Um, Somalian Muslim. So wait, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minneapolis is Prince. is different from Texas. Like I said, Minneapolis. Texas unfortunately has a history of racism. They all have history of racism. We just don't see it or hear about it. Well, northern racism is much different and more probably much more pungent mm -hmm. than down south racism. At least down south racism, they'll let you know. They'll let you know. They call you the n-word to your face. Over here is like here, here, okay, and then they walk away and they tell their friend, "Don't bring that black guy back over." And here. don't <laughs> rent to him, and we're not going to let him move into our neighborhood, mm -hmm. and we will make sure that he has bad credit. And we're not going to <laughs> hire him. Make sure they have we're going to make sure. We're, we're not going to take your payments. We're not, <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to let him establish credit at our store. We're not going to approve any of his applications. That's mm -hmm. what we're going to do. Have a good day, Bob. <laughs> okay, so this is a side note since we're in Today in Black News. Okay. <laughs> All right. I listened to our first episode and I realized that I sound intensely, uh, e well, my language is extremely ebonics on that episode. Here's the deal. I am a, I am a highly educated individual. I have my master's. Yourself? No, but I feel like I have to explain myself to our listeners and for folks who might be listening for the first time and also for folks who have been following me in terms of comedy and all of that and not really heard that side of me. So here's the deal. This is my black talk. This is, okay, <laughs> look, since I've, I've this been... This is my five to nine voice. All right. Not my nine to five voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. I mean, what people call is, um, they call it code switching. Of course. Okay, so uh, most people, white people in mainstream America, don't know what that is because they've never had to do that. So... How they sound at home is pretty much the way they sound at work or on a social sphere. Maybe they clean up their language if they if they curse a lot. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to black people, you learn very early on, if you want to be taken seriously, that you have to sound, quote, proper. Um, proper English without ants and ain'ts and uh, them there, them there, like instead them versus them whatever okay Fina. 
finna. I'm finna go. Like, I ain't, you know what I mean? So, and even, you know what I mean? You mean? Nah, I mean? Nah, I mean? Okay. So, growing up, I learned early on, if I'm, if I'm going to be in school, in my honors classes, I need to sound more like this, where I yeah. draw out my language, and then in order not to be made fun of by the kids in the neighborhood, then I need to revert back into my Midwestern Ebonics. I've been with you for quite a long time. You have that New York thing going on. Oh, so thick too. So now I have this thing where I sound depending on who I'm around I might sound more Midwest Ebonics or mm-hmm. this New York f- thing that you got going on or now that we live here in South Florida it's almost like I don't know Miami has its own drawl of its own yeah, Ebonic it's like Nar- it's really Naranja, yeah. yes where we live uh, right outside of Miami so I realized that because when we were recording the episode last week, I was extremely relaxed because I was speaking to you like I'm speaking to you as myself. And that came across as extremely good. But it was good. I mean, you, you were you. I was me. That That's who I am. But I'm not not me when I'm at work. I know how to keep a job. Yeah. You know. Okay. I mean, I know how to keep a job. Yeah, I, know. I just remember when one of my first jobs out of um, grad school, when I had my own extension, my own desk, and one of one of my good friends from back home, called. SJ, called, and I answered the way I answer, and it was like, "Hi, how did I sound? How did I sound? What did I sound like? How did I say it?" Uh, no, like, thank you for calling. Well, how did I say it? This is Rat Thompson. Thanks for calling. And he was like, ooh, who is that white girl that just answered the phone? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know how to speak job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess the thing is, like, when are you not you? Like, when am I not me? Do I ever sound not me? I know that even our daughter is more educated like she speaks more proper english than we do than we do because she's in school and she doesn't really hang around any hood people look i do change my voice up when i'm at work in customer service industry when i am dealing with customers i tend to talk lower and slower enunciate my words. Why do you sound like you should be wearing a turtleneck with a mug of a, a, Look, a, 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 a mug of hot cider? I'm just going to say, when I, they used to make fun of me in, in New York when I had the same job. They used to call me, like, oh, why don't you get some candles up there while you talk to your customers here? And just like, hey, yeah, how you doing? Because I feel like if I lower my voice, especially... I'm in a service industry where people tend to yell because they don't like their bill. So I can't come in here and yelling back at you. So I figured the best way to understand me is if I lower my voice, speak slowly, and sometimes speak firm. It goes away, and then people kind of like me after that. Hey, he's not bad at all, after all. You know, and it goes away that way. They'll say, 
hey, this feel this is enjoyable. I feel like I feel like you're like that black guy that was really special in in in, no. in the Green Mile. No. Like you're my own personal Jesus. I don't I don't really touch my hand, boss. I don't you know, I'm I don't have that big act accent like that to make you feel relaxed. But my thing is the way I have to talk to people, I'm trying to sell them something. I gotta sell myself. You know, and only you sell your service, you gotta sell yourself. You know, I mean you're the you're the guy that they buy from you. You're the consultant. I do I do believe that it depends on who I'm dealing with. I might flex up or flex down like, you know, generally like if I'm on the phone I'll be like, Hi like very like hi, how are you? So I couldn't get away with that. You you couldn't get rid of that? I couldn't get away with that. You couldn't you let's try it. No. Hi, how are you? No. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. No, I'm not gonna do that because I can't do that. You can't do that. I, I, I try you can to do it if you practice. Well, I got I got fired on a, on a phone job before, so I, that, that didn't work. No, when I'm talking to people face to face, I've I've done that. Like, hey, thank you very much. No, fun. come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, say it just like I did. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Sometimes you gotta put your body into it. Sometimes I'll like shrink my it's my shoulders a little bit. Thanks for listening to that podcast. It's not gonna work. No, you just did it. <laughs> but it sucks. You gotta you gotta sound happy. You gotta think happy. You gotta think lollipops. You gotta talk with a smile on your face. Yes, you do. I smile through the phone and through the attitude. You know, I just did training at my my uh new job today. We'll discuss that later on. We will discuss that later on. Sometimes you gotta hit a high note. Say, hi! I can't hit a high note only if I'm yelling. And I'm not gonna do that now because I'm not in a position to yell. Okay, but you could like, kind of like you know what it is? You have to speed it up in certain spots. Like, you have to be slow and say thank you for listening to the podcast. Listening! <laughs> no, that sounded a little too aggressive. Like, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And sometimes you gotta put your head into it like this. Where are we you gotta going? do this. Where are we going <laughs> with just, this coded? I, I'm just saying. Like, sometimes I have to do it like that way. But I do realize when I'm dealing with, um, like, older people, mm-hmm. especially older white people, I yeah. have to, it's almost like I have to sell myself in a different type of way. Like, I have to show them that I'm the matador and they are the bull and I'm going to wrestle them to the ground with my bare hands. Like, I am Hercules and I'm teaching them how to take, to heal. And and sometimes I talk just like this. I have to say, sir, sir, I'm here to help you. Let me help you. I wish you could unpack this a little more because I don't think we have enough time today on this podcast. We have all the time in the world because it's our podcast. This is Thompson's In Effect. See how I did that with my shoulders? Because, you know, I've actually worked in Trump country. You know. Trump country. And, you know. Trump country. experiment. You know, you sit there talk, you know, and, you know, I talk professional. You know, hey, how you You guys You speak doing? well? I speak well. I spoke well to him. I sold stuff to him. You know, but I didn't have to change my voice and change the tone. Like, hey, how you doing? You know. Oh, I did all the time. Oh, yeah, because you were. And sometimes you have to do like this. This is what they like. This is like a certain type of older white man who's used to seeing black women as either sexual objects, which I am not, or I am the mammy of your youth. Let me, I am either the mammy or the cleaning lady or the cook, someone that you, no, when you were no. a little boy, when you were a little boy, no and, and yes, yes, for me, at least I felt that 
there's a certain type of older white person, like an older white man that needs to feel the comfort of a black woman being in charge. So it's not an Amarosa in charge. It's more of a, you like, put those cookies down. <laughs> like, put, put, you want more grits? You better eat those grits. Yes, you know? ma'am. Exactly. And sometimes you have to speak to them a certain way. I can, you know. Was... You have to say, this is the way it's going to be. And of course, of course, this is the what we're going to do. We're going to do it this way. And I would not lead you the wrong way. You know, you have to be very direct, laser focused in that because you're a black man and I'm a black woman. Pretty much so. That's why you told me to do these voices. I'm not going to do these voices. I know it's not going to happen. Because black men are very different. Because you know why? You are a threat to older white men. I am not a threat to older white men. There you, you go. are a threat to older white men because yep. you are you are a younger black virile man, you know, and they are afraid of you, your masculinity, and your penis. Uh, why are we even doing this? <laughs> I mean, that's what the root is. That's the root. That's the root of it. Look, it's you going to buy it or you going to leave. That's my thing. It was like, hey, I'll be nice to you. Until, you know, someone's not nice to me. And then I go, oh, that's the end of the day. You guys have a good day, all right? But see, but the thing is with you, this is the this is the issue where, like, you and Trump country not going to work out. Is because if you could only, like, have you ever had people say, if only you could be more like Al Roker? No. And no. I don't mean Al Roker in know, a bad way. Al Roker, look, Al Roker, he has done a lot for him to get yeah. this far in this stage of career. As being non-threatening? Not up there. I mean, well, well you know no, what? I mean, he was talking stuff to Billy Bush. Like, you know, he yeah, was breaking it down. That's that one time, though, you're talking about this. In public. But, but yeah. you know he's probably like that in private. <laughs> I mean, but he had to, he probably had to take a lot of crap in order to... Big Al. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? It's like that that Dave Chappelle skit with yeah. Wayne Brady, like yeah. Wayne Brady about to shoot up the block. <laughs> yeah, you know, big but you, but a person like like when I look at older black um like executives, that eat shit. Yeah, they eat a lot of shit, and you know, in some part, you know, do you want to eat shit? Well, do you have to eat as much shit as they did back then? Right, we they don't ate. Have to. Yeah. They ate shit for us. Of course. I mean, my thing is, like, I'm still professional. As long as you're professional and you respect and everything, you're good to go. I thought that way. I didn't really have that much of a problem until one dude, you know, farmer-like, hey, hey, I want a phone. Okay, I'll take care of you. I'm from another carrier. I don't have the information for you. I can't do that. You have to go to AT&T. Well, you need to get it for me. I don't understand how I'm going to get it for you. I don't have information from that company. Well, figure a way. But is that him being racist or no, is him being I, classist? Classist. Being a... Because he's being a dick. It wasn't like... I never said nothing about the race. I just talked about... You know, there's certain Or is people. he being ageist? Like, you're a young man nah, you and know. you should be... And you're in a service role like 40, and you 50. should... Because he's probably in a service for himself. You either have a have little fish thing going on or you have to get a farmer thing going on. And, you know, it's the way you speak to people is the way you get out of it. Fish or farm. Because, you know, it's like there's a lot of characters in the Keys. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to handle it and deal with it. You know? So my voice has always been the same. 
It's just how we uh, handle situations. How you navigate. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there that I witnessed my own code switching. I did not realize how much I uh, I had code switched into comfort. But apparently my comfort language... Like, I, I could still speak like this, but I think I was just super duper Happy. comfortable. And comfortable. You're comfortable with me. You with your husband talking. And I'd be saying, I be. Yeah. I'd be saying, I be. And I, I love it when our daughter's like, um, <coughs> I be. Mommy, I be. Is that what we're doing now? I be. Well, you do is you. I do say is you. Is you. Is you going to the store? Is nah. you going to the store? I be going to the store all the time, Ahem. running errands. It's <laughs> my mother. Ahem. The perfect language is "I will be," and I be saying, "You know what? You know what? Be perfect. I ain't going to the store, and I ain't going to cook this food, Ahem. and you going to be sitting there Ahem. starving. How about that? Are not." <laughs> You are not cooking, and that's fine by me. <laughs> because you cook with all that grease and animal fats, animal fats and salts, uh, and all I'm of your sorry, things. I'm sorry, I'm just reminiscing of my childhood days, mispronouncing words left and right. Well, your mother is Guyanese, just to Ahem. remind folks. Ahem. That's that's that British influence. Yes. That's that. That's that. That's more my grandmother. Ahem. Ahem. Yeah, my mother's mother. Ahem. A proper way to say this, like if we're talking to Julia's child, that's what she was. You will say you will not be going to the party or not going attending. Attending. <laughs> well, let, me, let me write this down. <laughs> well, I mean, there is some type of beauty to listening yes, to somebody who's very... Look, I think that when people um, try to correct you, especially the older generation, um, I think they're trying to preserve language, mm-hmm. and I think that they are trying to be helpful to you. The language now sucks. Well, oh, so you are saying that language sucks. Yeah, I mean, education sucks. But, okay, put it like this way. When I speak in Ebonics, like, to me, it's almost like putting a warm shawl over myself. Because it is the language of my people. Of the streets. For, for, not even of the streets. It's just, like, back home. Of it's my black folks who suffered long enough. I'm just And now we want to control the world well, with hip-hop. I'm just saying, the like... The hip of the hop. The language <laughs> of we speak. Everybody says nigger and loves it. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to go that far. Even though I do realize that lately I've been dropping the N-word um, within our confines, but not in a... what I hope to be a derogatory... And that that's for another episode. But, but I, I do feel... A lot to unpack with that word. <laughs> there is a lot to unpack with hip-hop. that. Hip-hop. The hip-hop? The language of the streets. Well, no, I mean, I don't even Ebonics see... Ebonics 105. Okay, put it like this way. When you hear of Spanish people, and we, I shouldn't even call them Spanish people. We used to... There was a time when we would say Puerto Rican Americans or New Yorkians. Now we live in in uh, look, Miami. We call see, everybody who speaks Spanish, Spanish. I think that's offensive. Look, I know it's Latin, offensive. Latina, yeah. uh, Hispanic, whatever mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. call it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they speak Spanglish and I'm sure there's plenty of people who of a certain generation that are offended that they are 
speaking Spanish, like make mm-hmm. up your mind. You either speak in English or you speak in Spanish. Or people that um like okay, uh, Jewish people who pepper their their mm-hmm. language, their English with Yiddish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. For me, it's mm-hmm. like I'm peppering my language with the with Ebonics, which is the language of. I am preserving the streets. It, 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 if anything, I am preserving the language until it sounds cool. Until a white guy says, "Yo, bro, what's happening, bro?" I, I, I would <laughs> never say "bro," but my thing is this: I remember when I was younger, thinking the beauty of I didn't even know it was called ebonics. Mm. I just knew that this was not the correct way to speak English. Mm. But I felt like it was such a time spa- saver because when I remember saying, "Um." I don't know. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, how do you sell, say I don't? Like, it means I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know. I don't. And so it's like, is it I-O-N apostrophe? Yeah, I mean, D? there's so many phrases. Silent D? We're I don't going, know we're where we're going. We're going to do it fast for you. We're going to do this. Like, you know. It saves are. time. Yeah, it does. You know, I be going here. I be going there. I be going everywhere. Instead of saying quickly, we say quick, fast. Like, we make our own phrases. I get that. I don't have a problem with it. Well, I just know that their folks are going to hear a lot of... See, even gonna. (laughs) I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. I'm going to. I'm gonna. I know that people... I'm giving folks a heads up now because some people... They listen to podcasts, they binge listen to podcasts, and some people do not want to be verb uh, uh, or verbally uh, uh, assaulted. Yeah, audibly assaulted by language that they can't stand. So I'm letting people know up front, like, look, this I'm the way it's going there's sometimes I'm going to slip and I'm just going to be very slip. relaxed, but this is me, right? Yeah. This, this is who I am, this is who I be. Guess where I throw septic. My back does hurt. You want to hear something funny? You want to know how I messed hey. up my back? <laughs> no, no, I just, I literally just said my back hurt. Oh. There was nothing else. There was nothing illicit. There was, there, there wasn't. Okay. I, I literally just started. Okay, with, you know, we you know why no, my back hurts. No husband wife talk on here. No, 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 no. But this, <laughs> hey, hey, no, 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 no. My back hurts because I took my mom uh, to the uh, to the WalMarts. The Walmart. Hey, you said the. You just said something about the the hip hop. So I can't say the Walmart. Yeah. Okay, so I took her to the Walmart. She was insistent that she needed the V8. No, she <laughs> she needed cans of V8. It was on the lower shelf, and something about the way my purse, which is super heavy right now, it was balanced on my right shoulder, and I leaned down. I was at a weird angle trying to get the last two cases of V8, and my back went crack, crack, crack. Like, it's like my spine got out of alignment. And I was telling her, I literally was hunched over. I could not get up. And she said, oh, you know, you're working so hard. I said, no, I really need to work out. Really, Oh, you need a massage. You need a massage. You ask your husband, you're massaging your back, not the front, not the back. I was like, ma, (laughs) you know, massage the front, (laughs) massage the back. I was like, I don't know how to take this. When I walked in, yeah. You need to take care of your wife. She's hurting. 
you need to give a good massage. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, okay. because my back hurt. Okay. My back does hurt. It but, still hurts now. I need to hear that from her. I'm like, okay. Well, she was trying to give you some advice. Mm-hmm. Happy wife, happy life. And you ain't hear that? Yeah, I've heard that. All right, then. I've heard that plenty of times. Well, we had a good episode. Yes, we did. This is lo- this is probably this is longer than our first episode. Yes, plenty much. First episode was what thirty two minutes. I guess so. We hit what we hit like what hour and a half. Maybe it depends if we edit out some of this music, these music interludes that accidentally mm-hmm. doubled up on themselves. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we could do that. Oh yeah, you know. I guess you know. We'll be back real soon. Well, it should be on the regular. We just like we, I said, real soon. We had a lot of things going on this week, not only in black news, but like in life. Period. Family news. We haven't talked about that because I think the main thing that we supposed to talk about was going on in black family, and we haven't got really that today. Well, okay, we can kind of lightly touch on that. No, we'll talk about it later. All right. Well, we just had a lot of transitions going on in in life. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. You started your new job. Yeah. This well, week, yeah. your new day job. I want to talk about that tomorrow. We will talk about that on the next episode. Yeah. Which hopefully will be tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of delayed us doing this and, you know, but we'll, we'll work it out. We'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll make it happen, people. Because Thompson did the fact. Whatever she says. <laughs> All right. So Signing off. Until next time, this is Thompson. In fact, this is Rhett Thompson. This is Sean Thompson. Until next time. Peace. Peace.